With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Jamie Shokin, host of Web Comics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight it's all about fan appreciation, so sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of interest and debate regarding entitled fans. Yeah, this is a lot having to do with the Game of Thrones series finale dropping and, well, a lot of people not really being all that happy with it. So what uh, you've ended up creating is a lot of creators that really don't like what happened because they don't like the fan reaction. That is, uh, somehow or another they feel the fans are just a little too entitled. George R. R. Martin summed it up pretty well in saying that art is not a democracy. People don't get to vote on how it ends. And while I agree with them to a certain degree, there is sort of the point that... Well, the problem is you have two different types of art when it comes down to it for the purpose of this conversation. You've got your movies, you've got your books, you've got your things like your paintings and your statues. That is, stuff that is, you know, when it's released, it's released all at once, usually. And only then can people decide on the quality of the actual art. In a lot of ways, that's cool. That's how it pretty much used to be. You know? The problem, however, is that over the last hundred years or so, we've become more dependent on a lot of media that... It's more of a, shall we say, an episodic in nature. That is, it's released bit by bit over a long period of time, at least ideally. Sometimes stuff will just basically bomb so well that it disappears forever. You know, that TV show that only lasted like an episode or two, for example. But what I'm sort of looking at here is that you've got a lot of really great art that, well, like comic books... TV shows, that sort of thing, that while it's more of a pop culture type of deal, nonetheless, those type of things are more dependent on the fan base. What this means is that, well, we as creators have to deal with a little bit of fan management 101. That is, we need to figure out where that sweet spot is between, well, capitulating to the fans as far as their very desires go versus totally ignoring them. Trust me, totally ignoring them would be so cool if basically they just simply did something as simple as, say, give us their money just for us performing. Hey, if I could just perform and make money, that'd be, like, so awesome. However, the reality is is that any type of mass media, like television, comic books, even podcasts and music, is dependent on having that fan base backing you. You know, the more fan support you have, in theory the more their money flows your direction. To a degree, that sort of is how it has to be. And it's the same as other art as well. I mean, if you have a movie that basically bombs and we can break it down to it just wasn't popularly received, that's going to affect a lot of careers, especially if it happens on a consistent basis. I mean, straight up, it makes absolutely no sense for a studio to put... $100, $200, $300 million down on a picture if it basically isn't going to be more than, say, $150 or even $25 million. It's just 
it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I might be really well received among the critics, but there is going to sort of hit a point where the studios are going that hey, this isn't working. Yeah, we're not going to be giving you a whole lot of money anytime soon. When we want you to do our those year end things where we want you know the critic darlings, hey. We'll shoot you a couple million dollars and you can do that cute little indie picture you've always been wanting to do. But, it just doesn't make sense to give somebody who really doesn't care about the fans huge amounts of money in order to play around with it and see what happens. You know, it's just straight up. We already know that that's not going to work out well. That's why we as creators have to figure out where that sweet spot is. That is, we can't totally ignore the fans. You know, It'd be great, but on the flip side, as artists, we can't really capitulate to everything that a fan wants. That is, we can listen to what they're saying, maybe agree with them a little bit, but our approach is going to have to come down to either hold on, you're going to really, really love this, just trust me, or to modify things just a little bit in order to make them happy. This isn't to say that there isn't a certain advantage to following the fan, especially if we happen to be following them for feedback. In a lot of cases, listening to the fans has given us the advantage of being able to, you know, be aware that something is happening, and then to basically adapt and well get out of the way of what was happening. In a lot of ways, listening to the fan feedback has actually improved a lot of shows. Uh, case in point would be, see Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not only have we seen a lot of really neat little things that were added into Buffy to make fans happy, but we've also seen major plot points as well as major characters that were added onto the show or modified a little bit to become fan favorites. Uh, Spike, for example, is a great example of that. The guy was only supposed to last three shows. Yeah, one, two, three, you're gone. That's it. However, the guy not only lasted till the end of the Buffy series, but... He also migrated over to its spinoff, Angel, and was ended up being a great character. You know, really great layers. Uh, he provided a lot of really great rivalry for Angel. And because of that rivalry, you got some really great character development. You know? Even with Spike himself, you actually had somebody start off as a villain, go with a really great redemption arc, and end up being an incredible hero. For those of us who do comics, which is even more dependent on fan support, you know, with crowdsourcing, you know, try doing a Kickstarter and having everybody hate you. Yeah, it just isn't going to work. That's why you give tier rewards out. That's why you listen to the fans and allow for that in your storytelling. You know? It's just straight up. We have to at least listen to the fans to some degree. We just have to figure out what that degree is. That said... Uh, tonight we're going to basically go through and show you a lot of really great ways to make your fans happy. You know, anywhere from making merchandise available, making yourself available, or little tweaks you can do in your story. But the bottom line here you need to sort of keep in mind throughout all of this is that we're not. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that if a fan says something, you need to basically do what that fan says. Straight up, if you did that for every fan, your comic is going to die horribly. You know, it's just straight up. If you listen to every fan or everything the fans were saying in terms of feedback, it just doesn't work that well. Anytime you have any kind of rule by the mob, it just does not work. We know this historically. 
Anytime the mob has been put into control with no guiding lights and with no restrictions, bad things happen. And that applies just as much to a creative endeavor as it does to a revolution. So, pay attention to a lot of what I'm saying, but at the same time, the thought that should be in the back of your mind is, I don't have to do this. I mean, yeah, you do have to figure out ways to make your fans happy, but sometimes... Being a total jerk is exactly what you need to do. There have been a lot of really great TV, a lot of great comics that depend exactly on the artist being a total jerk. And the fans love it and they eat it up. So keep in mind that that is a possibility for you. So let's have some fun with this, okay? Alright, so let's talk about some great ways to get some fan support going. Um, First off, Try to do some sort of public appearances, you know. Show up at conventions, even if it's just the artist alley, you know, somewhere identifiable where people can actually see you. You don't want to just simply be running through the crowd randomly unless you have something incredibly identifiable. And I mean, let's get real. It's just with all the cosplayers and all that out there, it doesn't matter how recognizable you think you are, but odds are you're probably not all that recognizable. Look at how many people have gotten like third or haven't even placed in lookalike contests based on themselves. Charlie Chaplin, for example, only got like, what, third, fourth place when he did a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest? And then there's been people that just haven't even placed. So, a public appearance has to be somewhere where people identify that you are, in fact, the artist. It doesn't matter if it happens to be on a panel or at a you know, a specific table or something like that. But they have to recognize, have a chance to recognize that it's actually you. You also have to have some sort of access to you. I don't care if it's to your blogs, your biography, something. A lot of fans really love having those little extra bits where they actually get into the mind of the artist. You know, they like reading interviews because, hey, we get to see a little bit of how this guy thinks. And we get a little bit of an idea of what he's possibly thinking about doing later on you know fans love information about their favorite people and the more information you can give them to a degree you know so much the better yeah you're going to be hearing to a degree a lot tonight Uh, it's just the only way I can do a visible marker of saying hey do all this you can but hold back because not everybody wants to see every picture you've ever done Especially if you've done some stuff you're not proud of. You know, yeah, that's great fan fodder, but, you know, you've got to maintain some level of privacy at some point. I don't care if it's keeping some of your great stuff back or some of your bad stuff or keeping your family life. Yeah, you want to give the fans access to you, but at the same time, you want to sort of moderate just a little bit. Obviously, merchandise is another great way. You know, I'm... We're going to put a pin in that one. But for now, let's just go with having merchandise available for whatever your projects are or even stuff for you individually is not necessarily a bad idea. It's just you've got to keep in mind that some merch is better than others and others' merch just almost always works. So we're going to put a pin in that, but we'll come back to it. You definitely have to have consistency in your particular chosen field. You know, if you're going to do a comic, make sure that thing comes out on time. You know, make sure it's got some really great consistent characterization. Make sure the plot development is always going on. 
you know, as soon as your comic becomes stagnant and it, or it becomes late consistency, you know, because when you get a reputation for being late and just annoying the fans, Image Comic, you know, and it was almost died horribly just because they couldn't keep up a production schedule. Literally. Sometimes, it, you know, they'd say we're going to do a monthly comic. That monthly comic ended up coming out every two to three months. Fans moved on. Yeah, they were able to come back and you know, really do great with some of their comics, but that's because they learned that being inconsistent is a bad thing. On the other hand, you know, having some real, you know, keeping your schedules consistent. Here's where we're going to the, if you're going to have something like a webcomic, at least, you know, net-based, have it go for at least once a week. You know, if you do it more often, great, but at least once a week. Anything less than that, and people will probably catch up with you every so often. So you're going to get some really great spikes in your hits, but you're not going to have a consistent hit there going on. And you want to go for consistent hits. Especially if you're selling ads, you know? Look at it from a sponsor's perspective. If you have an irregular hits, they only come up every month or two, that's not really going to do them any good, especially if they're trying to do sales on their products that are date-based, or if they've got coupons that are date-based, you know? Sponsors like to do a lot of things that happens to be time-sensitive. And if they can't trust you to, you know, fulfill your part of that, in other words, you're, you basically can't help them out when it comes to this time-sensitive stuff, then really, what good are you for, to them as an advertising source, you know? So if you're trying to actually get some sponsors out there, yeah, being consistent with your date is going to do wonders for you. Um, and the same applies to characterization and plot development. It also means that if you have any art quality, that needs to be kept up there as well. The higher the quality, the better, obviously. I mean, occasionally you can slack off and take a relaxing period, that sort of thing. You know, if you need to take a vacation, great. Plan for it ahead of time. But try to keep everything as possibly consistent as possible. It's just going to end up getting you a lot better fan base, a lot more solid fan base, and fan base is going to really be into supporting you. And last but not least, remember to respect the fans. Yeah, let me, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of creators that absolutely hate their fandom. That's fine. You know, you as a creator, there's a lot of reasons for you to hate fans. Fans know this, and we know this. It sort of a really weird situation where we know there's a love-hate relationship between fans and creators. It's just straight up. Sometimes the fans get a little obnoxious. Okay, sometimes they get a lot obnoxious. Sometimes we create near-misery situations. But overall, we need to have some sort of relationship with our fans that's based on some sort of respect. It's great to hate your fans. Do it, but at least respect them. You know? Then, of course, there's a couple of ways to, well, totally screw up the entire relationship. First off, obviously, is trying to be too controlling as far as your fan base goes. If you're constantly having situations where you're, you know, having your fans trust you, but you don't deliver in the end, yeah, that's not really going to work out too well. Also, if you're constantly having your fans do things for you, you know, support this or that charity, or, you know spend money on more things for you. You're a creator. You're not a cult leader. If you want to be a cult leader, go create a cult. It's easy to do. 
it's not really all that hard. And if you want to do brainwashing, hey, there's lots of books available on it. You know? It's not that hard to do. If, on the other hand, you want to be a creator, yeah, lay off on the fan control just a little bit, okay? Don't constantly tell your fans that, hey, do this or you're not a fan. That's going to end up driving a lot of them away. Yeah, you're going to have a very devoted bunch of fans. But you're going to find out real quick that too much fan control, too much micromanagement over what the fans do, yeah, that's not going to end up working all that well for you in the long run. Also, fan service. This is one of those big debates. Not that I'm, you know, you're going to occasionally want to do, you know, good old fan service. That is, put your characters into definitely titillating situations for the express purpose of increasing your fan base. This is one of those things that creates really great spikes, and then they die horribly. You've either got to keep it all the way up and go from and basically cater that particular crowd, or you can actually go with the slow but sure method of, you know, consistent artwork, consistent writing, consistent scheduling. Or, you can put your characters in speedos and bikinis and let that sell your books for you. Yeah, it sounds like a really great thing. And it's great to do every so often, don't get me wrong. And let's get real. There's a lot of, there can be a lot of really great fun to be held at a beach. You know, you want to pull your characters into bikinis and speedos and throw them in a beach situation? Have fun with it. And I mean, have fun with it. Don't just simply have it so you're having characters running around half naked. I mean, it's just you need to have some really great stuff going on at the beach. You know, this goes back to being consistent. But as soon as you basically concentrate too much on the fan service and you get a reputation for having that, well, the critics are going to hate you. The reviewers are going to hate you. A lot of your fans are going to feel betrayed. But you'll have all these other really fun fans that are going to be circulating through just because of the nudity. And that's something you probably don't want to do because it's not going to be something that, well, you're going to be able to really use all that well. And, of course, let's not forget the dreaded ignoring of the fans. Again, you don't want to capitulate to your fans too often, but you do want to sort of show that you are listening to them. Even if it's basically saying, hey, I hear you. I see there's a lot of complaints about this. Here's what's going on. Here's why I'm not doing this. That works. And nine times out of ten, it works a lot more than... Yeah, you hear that? That's you ignoring your fans. You don't have to do what they want, but every so often basically say, hey, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And don't count too much on the whole trust me thing. So, just think about it. You're also going to want to throw some sort of fan agency in there. That is, give the fans some sort of control. Remember what I said about the whole figure out where that sweet spot is? Well, here's where you start figuring it out. First off, you can start doing things like creating social media clubs. I mean, it's really great to take advantage of Facebook, set up a fan page, and pay attention to what's going on your fan page. On your website itself, you can actually listen to the comments, you know, encourage commenting. You know, don't you definitely try to figure out what's going on with your fans, how they're feeling, that sort of thing. If during these comments you can actually respond to some people every so often, that's even better. I mean, you've got entire um, podcasts that are set up on just simply, hey, let's look at the fan mail. 
Because Science is a great example of on YouTube. Kyle, every so often, will actually go through and make it a point that he will do his main episode, and then he'll do another episode where he just simply goes through and answers reader mail. That's awesome. You don't have to do exactly that, but at least recognize that the fans are commenting. And every so often, if you can respond to one of the comments, trust me, you want to make a 10-year-old's day? If he says, hey, I love your work, just keep it up, just giving him a like, and it's you, that 10-year-old is going to be solid for at least a week. Trust me on this. And that applies just as much to even older fans, you know? If you have somebody who's been supporting you for a long time, throws up a comment every so often, and you actually respond to those comments, at that point you've got an interaction between you and a fan. That fan no longer has to see you as a faceless person, even if, of course, they've never seen your face, which is sort of weird. But that fan now sees you as an actual entity. And because of that, that, because of that interaction... You know, you've actually got you've actually decided to develop that friendship a little bit, and here's the really cool part: by developing the friendship with a couple of fans and making this known throughout the fandom, well, other fans will live vicariously through those fans, and in effect, you're starting to create an entire really great relationship between you and your other fans. You know, this is sort of like a really great thing, and it's something you need to sort of keep up. Occasionally, you're going to want. To comment on the fans' work itself. I mean, you've got people that are going to throw up, you know, here's where my DeviantArt account is, can you look at it? Or this is my comic. Or, you know, they're going to be saying comments, and you're going to want to check their stuff out. And if you comment on their stuff, well, if you thought the commenting on your thread was incredible, you ought to see the reaction when you come go to their site and comment on their stuff. Yeah, you're going to be looking at a fan, that is not going to. That is literally going to be a couple inches off the ground for at least a day or two. And there's nothing that, that can beat it as a fan, as somebody you absolutely love, whose work you respect, whose work is just like, dude, I can't stop talking about this. And he commented on my work. You know, yeah, you can probably hear the squee from like 20 miles away when that happens. But at the same time, that further develops the creator-fan relationship. And if you can do that every so often, hey, you've done some really great stuff. You probably also want to debate fanfic and fan art. Mainly because some fans have a little bit too much fun with it. If you have any questions. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Questions on that? Look up the origins of the Mary Sue. No, not the definition, 
The Origin, where you basically had a female fan do a not-so-PG version of her relationship between certain Star Trek officers. And yeah, you're going to see a lot of fan art that is a little bit out there. Sometimes it's going to get weird. Sometimes it's going to get ridiculously weird. Sometimes it's going to be going... Yeah, sometimes the authorities need to be called. But the bottom line is is that you need to develop a fan relationship and therefore you're going to have to decide, especially if you happen to be ultra popular when it comes to fanfic and fan art. And this is going to come especially when you start doing convention circuits. You know, you're going to see a lot... If you're really popular, you're going to see a lot of fan art available for sale based on your work. And of course, there's two minds on this. Interestingly enough, they're pretty much on the same spectrum. You know, you've got the pretty much range of any fan art or any fan fiction is great advertising. On the other hand, if the fan art starts uh, outselling what you're doing, this could be a problem for you. So, you know, follow the big companies on this one. A lot of them tend to ignore, you know, one-offs, that sort of thing, because it's pretty much inconsequential. On the other hand, if somebody starts becoming ultra-popular, they tend to put their foot down really hard. You know, it goes into protecting your trademark, which is all important, but at the same time, you sort of want to make a point to your fans that it's probably not acceptable to do this. So, you're going to have to figure out where that line is for yourself. I'm just saying straight up. Know that there has to be a line put there somewhere. You're just going to have to figure out how nice a person you are. Don't be too much of a jerk. Uh, don't be too much of an angel. You know? That line is pretty much fluid. Of course, you can also put some really cool fan things into your comics and other projects in and of itself. Um, the obvious example? Easter eggs. You know, if you've got... You know that your fandom is all over the place... You can throw any call-outs and all that to other comics and other entities. You know, doing an alien as an Easter bunny is a really great one. Actually, any alien eggs is a really great one, especially around Easter time. Yeah, comic people tend to be really weird. But, you know, the joke here is that you're pointing out that you share a certain interest with your fans, which happens to be the Alien franchise, and because you're able to demonstrate that you do have that common interest, yet again you're building a relationship between you and your fans. So if you do the Easter eggs right, and just have little cameos, this sort of thing, little in-jokes, you know, all over your comic, you don't have to do this every panel or even every... You know, you don't have to do this frequently. Just do it every so often, and you're going to see a really great increase in the number of hits you get. You're going to see a rise in your popularity, and that's not a bad thing. Especially not if you're trying to sell books as a living. Um, another thing to do, of course, is running gags. You know, where you're basically consistent with the joke and you show it every so often because, yeah, it's a, it's funny. And keep in mind that a running gag doesn't necessarily have to be a joke. It can just simply be something that happens every so often. A running gag can run anything from really silly, like, every so often. Like, when we're doing the Peanuts, where one thing we really love is seeing Lucy try to trick... Um, Charlie Brown into kicking the football. You know, of course, long-running comics have all their individual little running gags, and every so often, it sometimes is really cool. You know, you gives you a chance to basically figure out how you've updated the comic by updating your running gag. 
it'd be sort of interesting to see, for example, instead of uh, Lucy and Charlie um, do the same thing with Sally, Charlie's sister, and Linus, Lucy's younger brother, you know? There's a lot of really great stuff. When you start looking at some of your really great web comics, you start noticing that there's some really great little running gags that show up every so often. Sometimes they're pretty obviously, sometimes they're not. Um, my personal favorite is with Penny Arcade, there's the FF2K. Yeah, I can't name, tell you what the FF2K stands for, but it's just a really cute little fruit dispenser that shows up every so often. And they have a little bit of fun with it. You know? Uh, just bringing back an old character. Even if it's just something to... Even if it's ultra serious, you know? Like a drink in the background of a bar, for example. Little runny gags like that. Little cameos tend to enhance the thing. Uh, if you do callbacks to previous episodes. Or even better. You know? They don't have to be huge ones. I'm looking more at the old comic book style. Where they basically describe the you know origin of... Fantastic Four, but instead of describing it, you simply refer you back to Fantastic Four number one. You know, those little caption boxes. If you can do something like that, hey, that's cool too, because at that point you're demonstrating that there actually is a history, and that sometimes your history changes. You know? A little bit of callbacks can also basically be little things that show up every so often, like a tax collector, or, you know, showing that there actually is some growth in a character. Again, you're trying to basically point out that these are things that the fans had fun with, and you're calling back to that, and that nostalgia trip is actually going to work out to your advantage. If you happen to have a ridiculously long-lasting comic, you can also throw in legacy characters. And we're not just simply talking about, say, the mantle of Captain America being passed on to the Falcon or to Bucky. We're looking also at the possibility of seeing, you know, um, your characters having kids. Better yet, you can actually show those kids have actually grown up since you first saw them. Uh, player versus player. For example, has some really great kids that that's had people have children. It's showing those kids you know grow up a little bit. And it's even showing some of the kids that start off as teenagers, all of a sudden having their own jobs and their own lives and getting married and so on and so forth. You know, you want to have those really great uh, side characters showing how much the characters have actually grown. And the really cool thing is, again, at that point, it goes back to the access issue in a really weird way. At this point, you're actually going in, building up the lives of your characters, and by building up the lives of your characters, you're turning them into, you're turning them from two-dimensional entities to actually fully fleshed out three-dimensional characters. And what's really great about this is that at that point, your fans have somebody to latch onto in the comic. These are people they know. These are people they're friends with. These are people they know the families of, as well as a lot of their weirder quirks. So, using these legacy characters in order to develop characters is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's an incredible thing because, again, you're basically doing, you're showing these people have lives. And admittedly, you're, we're intruding on those lives by watching, and the characters do have a little bit lack of privacy. But at the same time, if you have the choice between, you know, showing a character's life or sharing your life, yeah, you're going to be showing the character's life every time, especially if you're trying to set up some sort of wall between the business and your personal life, which is perfectly fine and definitely encouraged. So, yeah, we're going to sacrifice those characters so you can have a life.
they who serve. Anyway, this also, of course, means that you're going to want to do special incentives every so often. You know, you're going to want to do special heart just for your fans. Obviously, with webcomics, we tend to do a lot of voter incentive stuff that is pretty much just, well, creator-based fan art. But, you know, that's us. We're going to have those special things just set up for fans just to enjoy. Um, you can also do bonus strips if certain goals are met. Note that this is not a fan control situation. This is more of a straightforward, hey, uh, if you really like us, get the word out. And if we get enough hits or we can get enough votes, I'll do a bonus trip every so often. You know? And of course, you can do fan-only items. You know, discount codes, that sort of thing. Or items that are available only to fans. You're going to have to work out how you want to do that yourself. But the bottom line is... You're going to have, want to have do special things for the fans that aren't necessarily in the comic itself. Yeah, they're going to have more comic or build on fan art or just weird stuff. But the bottom line is you want to have some special stuff going on for your fans. You want to show them that you care. And by showing them the care, they love you for it. And they express their loves, hopefully, through money. But, you know, I'm weird that way. Okay, remember when I basically did a... Told you to put a pin in the merch thing? Okay, you're going to come down to... Your merch is going to fall into three categories. You're going to have the merch that we basically know sells pretty well. And does some really great stuff for fan relationships. Then there's the stuff that... Just doesn't work. Or has to work in very specific situations. If you want to do this stuff as special incentives... Go for it. But don't necessarily have this available to everybody. And then, of course, there's the stuff that's debatable for one reason or another. Good merch comes down to your caps, your t-shirts, your wearables. Um, you know, you don't want to get too fancy here. You don't want to have, like, sneakers or anything like that unless you happen to have gotten a spell out of request for sneakers. Uh, you just basically want to have a lot of wearables, stuff that basically says, Hey, you're my fan. Here's some branded merchandise for you. Enjoy. Um... Water bottles are another strange one. It's just, they tend to work really well, especially if they work. I mean, it's just straight up. Uh, people just simply can't get enough of water bottles. Uh, it's like they're into exercise or something like that. Really weird. Or into doing hiking, or into biking, or into stuff that, for some reason or another, requires them to carry fluid on their person for large amounts of time. So yeah, water bottles are really popular. Also, stuffed animals. And there's 57 different varieties of stuffed animals. Yes, and for the purpose of this conversation, I'm counting action figures as stuffed animals. I'm including dolls as stuffed animals. I'm counting, oh yeah, actual stuffed animals as stuffed animals. Basically, anything that resembles the characters in a three-dimensional form that they can carry around and have fun with. You know? It's just, having a tangible reminder of the character just seems... To really work really well. Then of course there's the bur- bad merch. Yeah, you're going to be looking at your big items right off the bat. You know, you can have a really well developed car, but uh, not a lot of people are going to be buying your cars. You know, um, personal utility items, your keychains. Some people can get away with selling a lot of them. Some people can't. It depends on what kind of keychain. These do make great special incentives, though. You know, everybody wants to buy their own specialized keychain 
but it's not necessarily always going to work out too well. I'm sort of pointing out it does because I've got a Serenity keychain. And we all know what Serenity is. If you don't know what Serenity is, please get yourself educated. That's just sad people don't know what Serenity is. Household items is another weird one that you probably don't want to deal with. Um, for some bizarre reason, a webcomic-based spatula doesn't always do all that well. Unless, of course, your webcomic happens to be really focused on, you know, doing food. At that point, go for it. Um, food, of course, is another item that doesn't tend to do all that well. Uh, even Dilbert couldn't get a sell a burrito, you know? Uh, don't get me wrong, you've got a lot of people that can't sell various food items, but that's because the food happens to work really well with what they're doing. Uh, the Carson Brothers, for example, have their own coffee mix. It works, you know? You can't actually do a lot of interesting stuff with coffee. It's just straight up really debate food because it doesn't always work. Some of the stuff that does really, really work well, but not all, necessarily always, posters. Again, people like having posters all over the place, but sometimes you just get way too many of them. I'm looking around my room right now and definitely going, I need to probably do something about opening up some wall space. But a lot of people do like collecting posters, especially if they like rotating them out. Discount codes, another really cool one, but not really all that popular because it's basically saying, hey, you're going to go to my merch site, you're going to spend money, but I'll give you a discount code to, to encourage you to spend more. It's just sometimes it comes off as a little weird, you know what I mean? If you happen to be doing the convention circuit, you might want to look into bookmarks. They tend to work really well, especially if you happen to sell a lot of books. You know, here's your book, here's your bookmark. Bookmarks also do great as freebies, and that's something you need to consider if you're doing conventions on Artist Alley, that sort of thing. It's just stuff that's sort of fun to pass out and you're not worried about. It's what we call a lost leader. You know, it brings up attention, but that's about all it really does. Underwear is another weird one. If you happen to be doing a erotic comic, go for it. Everybody else, not so much. Some reason or another, they don't like wearing panties of cute characters, usually. Some people are really weird. Know your audience before you start selling underwear. All I'm going to say. Also, definitely avoid raffles. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of countries and a lot of cities and a lot of states, basically a lot of jurisdictions, frown on any form of gambling. Such as, well, raffles. So yeah, if you're basically going to say, hey, you're going to spend this much money, or you make a comment, you get a ticket, expect to have a lot of people at your doorstep and not in a good way. They'll probably be wearing three-piece suits and with pieces of paper with your name on it. So be afraid. Don't do raffles, or at least really debate on how you're going to do it. So what's the takeaway here? Here's the deal. If you're doing what you're doing, you're doing it well, you're going to have people love what you do. This is not to be seen as a bad thing. This is to be seen as an incredible thing because not everybody can do it. You know, it's just straight up. If you're going to do something and you're going to get the acclaim for it, you're going to have people that are loving what you're doing and you're going to have a lot of people have opinions on what you do. This is not in and of itself a bad thing as long as you basically set some sort of, you know, some sort of personal measurement of where you have no problem where it you're basically listening to it versus you're not listening to it. You know, you're going to want to ignore it every so often or it's going to drown you. And not, it's just 
you're going to hear a lot of voices coming at you from a lot of different directions. You're going to have people approaching you at conventions, and you're going to have people just wanting to talk to you. And they're going to be wanting to say a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff about your, about whatever it is you're doing. Your comic is not immune to complaints, you know? It's definitely not immune to critique. And some people are really good at critique, and some people, well, they're definitely not. You're going to have to decide to what degree you listen to your fans. You're going to need to listen to them to some degree, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you can't drown them completely out. You have to basically respond to what they're saying every so often. You have to realize that there has to be a level of respect towards your fans. Your success as a comic book writer is the same as pretty much anything involving any form of art. You know, you have to use some sort of fan management in order to basically say, hey, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, and no, I'm not going to change it because I think you're going to love the result later on. That's a perfectly legitimate situation. Doing stuff to basically, you know, just to tick off your fans. If you have a well-loved character and you've decided you've had enough of your fan base, so you're going to basically just kill the character, yeah, you're going to have a lot of people not really happy with you and get a run away from the... You're going to rage quit right there. You know, this is different from having a character death that actually works. If the character's death actually works within the plot of the comic, then yeah, you're going to have a lot of people mad at you, but you're also going to have a lot of people sad. You're basically going to basically reach into that sort of weird negative space of emotion, and you're going to basically bring back a lot more powerful fan. Just don't do it to tick off your fans. Don't do anything just to tick off your fans. Yeah, I know there's some people that can get away with this. And some people actually, the fans love it for some strange masochistic reason. But in general, you want to try to respect your fans as much as possible. This, of course, means that even if you don't enact changes into the comic based on what they're saying, you know, at least respond to what they're the questions. If you've got other people that are just simply going, wait, that made absolutely no sense, point out that, dude, it's going to make sense. You know, don't do random stuff just to aggravate your fans. I'm sorry, there's just absolutely no way I can emphasize that one enough. It's You see it on TV way too often. You know, you've got some uppity writer who decides that, you know, I can do anything I want. I don't have to listen to anybody, so I'm going to do stuff just to tick people off. These people don't tend to last those jobs very long. Pay attention to those examples when it comes to you doing stuff that you know is going to annoy somebody. Especially if it happens to be, you know, you're going to be tempted to do a lot of politics and sometimes you're going to have a non-political comic. It happens. All ages, it's pretty common. All of a sudden, you know, imagine if Charlie Brown all of a sudden went into pro-abortion hardcore. That would definitely change the fan base and would definitely change the place where Charlie Brown is in the comic or in the newspaper. So, you know, realize you have to have a fan base. Realize you have to talk to the fan base and respect that fan base. And you should do pretty well as far as your comics go. Of course, in a lot of ways, this is why you set up a fan book or sorry, a Facebook fan page. They do some really great stuff on those. fan pages and it allows you to you know get a little bit more information about what your fandom's up to and what your fandom is feeling and if you choose to ignore it hey that's up to you so so yeah 
this is one of those weird cases where I'm going to point out that you've got a lot of people that are looking at this entirely the wrong way. Yeah, fans are going to feel entitled. If you've done your job, if you've done a really great story, if you've done really great characters, if you've done everything right and you've got a really great comic and something you absolutely love, other people will love it too. And they will feel that they have some sort of opinion because let's get real. Name one person who has a relative that they don't feel entitled to comment on whatever that relative does or whatever that good friend does. And at some point, don't good friends become relatives? Anyway, the basic point here is that if they love it, they're going to comment on it. Sometimes they're going to question. That's fine. It just shows that they actually love what you're doing. And you need to respond to that. And by responding to it, you create a really incredible relationship between you and your fandom. And that's exactly what you want to do. So, if you love something, respect that other people are going to love it as well. And they're going to want to put their two cents onto it. The cool thing is, you're in a position where you can either ignore that two cents, or you can act on it, or you can just simply respond to it. How you respond to it, how you react to that two cents will define your fan reaction and will depend the fan eventually how big your fan base gets. And if you're trying to sell books, you want that fan base to be as big as you want, can get it. It's just up to you to figure out the best way of managing your fans. So have fun with them. You know? But don't disrespect them. They're just people too and they and to a degree, yeah, until they get really obnoxious, and then in case you have to shut them down a little bit, and it does happen, that is the whole thing about blocking is such a great thing online. Just realize that you need your fans to succeed. And interestingly enough, the fans need you as well. It may not look like it all the time, but your fans love you, at least in theory. And please keep that in mind. Meantime, please support the show at patreon.com slash 2TWO Sparrows. And I'll talk to you later. Have a good night.